Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action and create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in the tech field starts right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. This week, I'll be speaking with Supriya Gupta. As Credit Karma's head of recommendations, Supriya is charged with personalizing the Credit Karma app experience for the company's more than 120 million members. When she joined the team more than three years ago, Supriya oversaw the transformation of the company recommendations engine into a dynamic and personalized deep learning based system that leverages data and machine learning to deliver tailored recommendations and offers to their members. This means members are served financial products, tools, and recommendations at the right time and that best adhere to their financial goals and ambitions. Under Supriya's leadership, Credit Karma's recommendation system has significantly grown and transformed over the years and her team is doing more than 35 billion model predictions each day. Today, her business unit partners with nearly every team at Credit Karma and drive significant portion of revenue for the business. Prior to joining Credit Karma, Supriya worked in product at Facebook, where she led product strategy and development for a number of ad products. Supriya holds a BS and MS in electrical engineering from the University of Illinois and an MBA from the Wharton School of University of Pennsylvania. Welcome to the show, Supriya. I'm so excited to have you on. Thanks, Jennifer. Really excited to be here as well. Great. Let's get started. So, Supriya, as a woman in tech, can you share with us your career journey and how you got to where you are today? Sure, yeah. So I started off my career, believe it or not, working on defense satellites uh, as an engineer. Uh, since then, my career has evolved quite a bit since then. Um, I've always really valued working in an area that benefits society as a whole. Um, and But when I started off um, in defense, in engineering, I was really craving more of a setting where I could be much closer to the value we're generating for, for, uh, for people and, and society. So this actually brought me to uh, product from engineering. And since then, I've spent a vast majority of my career in, in product, working across a variety of different companies with a few detours and stops along the way, including Wharton Business School, uh, starting my own company, as well as a stint in management consulting. With each job change, I was always looking for two things. How am I creating value for society and how I'm growing myself by gaining skills through new experiences, uh, pursuing a variety of company stages, technical areas, and industries. And a culmination of these skills and experiences has brought me to Credit Karma, where I am today. Uh, I lead the recommendations business unit, uh, which has over 100 people includes product management as well as many other functions 
And generally this business unit is responsible for personalizing the experience for every single one of our 120 million members to help them make financial progress. Wow, that's an impressive journey. Thank you for sharing that. So as a woman, as a woman leader in tech, please share with us how you advocate for yourself and also think about other women in a male dominated industry. Yeah, so it's interesting being the head of specifically the recommendations business unit. Uh, it is uh, it is always challenging to uh, advocate for yourself generally, especially in a male dominated industry uh-huh. like one like tech. Um, and in my case, I am the business leader of arguably the most technical business unit at Credit Karma. So there's an, an extra layer of advocacy and proving myself in that context. And this materializes in different ways across the organization. Um, I've been in the position, in this position, not only at Credit Karma, but pretty much every other company I've worked for because I've always worked in this like technical area, um, having to balance bringing my technical acumen to the table along with my business know-how um, to the workplace for, for many years. So it, it manifests in two different ways, uh, internally and externally. So on the internal side, in the technical organizations, it's really common for people to really focus on technical roles uh, and the technical skill sets that provide value. But the business piece sometimes can be less obvious in terms of how it creates impact. So you can have the brightest minds, technical minds, uh, the most brilliant engineers and data scientists who I work with every day, Uh, But it's really the business portion that helps paint the picture of what the vision is that we're trying to build and ensures that the impact and effectiveness of those efforts actually come to fruition. So uh, in some, there's no value in technical innovation if you can't actually execute it well and effectively to get the value that you want out of that innovation. So that's always like the internal struggle. And often uh, people will look, look to me and, uh, and assume that, oh, well, you're just the business person. So how, how are you adding value? Um, and what do you know about technology? And that's sort of the vice versa happens when you look externally. So on the internal side, you know, I, I, uh, I've come across this so many times, I, I no longer take any sort of offense to this. It's, it's usually a human instinct to assume if you're technical, you're probably not business savvy. If you're business savvy, you're probably not technical. Uh, because there are not too many people, uh, roles uh, out there that really have to play to both sets of skills. Uh, so I know that my, my role in this way is, is quite unique. Uh, in fact, even in my early days as a PM, uh, I remember someone trying to give me advice to actually make my slides look a little bit less polished, such mm-hmm. that the engineers would actually take me more seriously. Because if it was too polished, they would assume that I don't know what I'm talking about. Hmm. So I'd come across these sorts of things all the time. And sometimes I'd name drop my degrees like, hey, I have an MBA. I have a master's in engineering. And that would help sort of uh, provide that, you know, instant credibility that that helps with that shortcuts to those, you know, very human assumptions around uh, what people can and cannot do. But I I realized that I really needed to help 
really engage with those engineers by not only adjusting, say, my presentation style to something that they were used to so they'd be able to absorb the content, but also really engaging with them personally through working sessions and whiteboards and really show them the value that I'm driving and show them how we can drive value together in a really measurable way. Um, I think you you hit on a couple really good good points here that you know, business is driving tech today. And I think in the old days, tech was driving business. And a lot of assumptions are that people don't have both tech and business, because that's kind of true. It's usually you're technical or you're business savvy. And to have both is such a great asset to the organization, as well as to you. I mean, you have, you know, a lot of value that you bring to the table. Yeah. And it's it's really interesting and energizing to be able to really marry those two backgrounds that I have in this really interesting, unique way. So, you know, when I, I think about this problem, I really kind of try to first not get offended because uh, I know it's it's actually strange. Second, I'm, I'm glad that I have those uh, degrees to fall back on um, as shortcuts to provide credibility. But I, I really know that it's going to take more than probably that moment to mm -hmm. prove myself um, amongst especially new stakeholders and people around the business to understand um, how business can actually drive technology. As you mentioned, it's it's somewhat of a new thing uh, or newer thing, I'd mm -hmm. say, in, mm -hmm. in industry for business to be driving the technology development. So do you feel that uh, with your teams, you've built the credibility already, or do you have like a ongoing challenge to continue to build credibility in this male-dominated industry? So I talked a little bit about looking internally, and I almost feel like that's the, the easier hill to climb, so to speak. Uh, externally, when you talk with other leaders and executives, I think that's actually where the even bigger challenges land in terms of... Um, you know, holding business, a business leadership role in a technical context, because people outside of the organization actually are even less familiar with the technical challenges, as well as the complexities and nuance that you need to bake into the strategy in, in order to create differentiation, move really fast and win in market. So mm -hmm. with, with external stakeholders, I find that the education barrier is just a lot higher, especially combined with sometimes honestly lower interest levels because you're talking mostly to people who are much more business oriented. So they're not gonna necessarily get into the weeds of the technical domain. Uh -huh. So that's where it gets a little bit more difficult to get that visibility and support from the broader business. Because uh, you just don't understand what you're doing. So it's hard to uh, contextualize the impact that you're making uh -huh. relative to those efforts. Uh -huh. So the way that I've, I've dealt with this is really just trying to get the message right at multiple levels of depth so that uh, you're able to do um, a critical repetition of concepts um, in various degrees of depth to sort of slowly bring the organization along and create a constant drumbeat that provides that background uh, context and, and foundational setting to help all the wins land in context as, as mm -hmm. we're creating impact for the business. I think that's that's really true in many cases, you know, where repetitive um, 
training, I don't know if you want to call it training, but repetitive uh, words is what makes things sink in. It doesn't happen just because you say it once, you know? So I think that's really good. So data and AI are trending now in the tech industry. So how do you use data and AI to help consumers make better informed financial decisions? Yeah, when it comes to Karma AI, I think it's all about demystifying the complexities of consumer finance. So uh, as a as a human, as a um, as one of our Credit Karma members, um, as is true for for anybody, you know, everyone's got their lives and they've got their goals. And how to get to the those goals or how to achieve those goals to to attain financial progress, it's different for everyone. It's it's very personal, um, as is part of the phrase personal finance, and it really requires deep data driven knowledge of where someone is today to understand where, you know, how they can get to where they actually want to be in the context of what they're trying to achieve and under the conditions that they have. And so this is where I feel data and machine learning play a critical and necessary role to actually create this sophisticated, personalized financial platform that drives credit karma. And this mm -hmm. is how we help consumers better understand what's going on with their finances and actually manage them on an ongoing basis. And this includes things like automating lengthy, tedious processes and you know, decision-making, uh, even application flows and, and interaction points with financial institutions. Um, so really at, from the start, uh, Credit Karma, um, our journey with data and AI really started with approval odds. Um, and th this is our ability to uh, recommend products based on the chance that uh, we predict that you'll, you will actually be approved for a particular financial product. And it's sort of grown into the full-blown full recommendation system we have today that delivers these actionable insights and product recommendations. Um, and so we've grown quite quite a bit, uh, focusing on a few different things, really, really doubling, tripling down on pushing transparency and consumer choice out there, making that data available, providing certainty around the decisions these consumers are making every day about what products they want to take. What are they, are they going to get approved? What are they going to get out of this? Are they going to get the amount of cash flow that they need out of these products to be able to achieve their goals and simplifying all of that across the board. Um, and, and data and AI really help us do that, right? Help us figure out how to recommend things in context of what the members actually want to try to achieve. Um, and and as, as a, an actual like example of this, we introduced a product feature called Stories. And this is powered by you know, our machine learning data science models uh, that parse through literally billions of data points to deliver these personalized in-depth insights as well as recommendations to uh, each of our members at scale, fully personalized. And uh, they really uh, pull together a tailored digestible view of what each member's finances are and contextualize them and personalize them to the member's profile and goals. And then in this way, providing recommendations to improve their financial health and reach their financial aspirations. So that's how I see 
uh, data and AI playing a very meaningful role uh, in driving the company's uh, mission and platform. That's that's fascinating. So these stories, these billions of records that you've come uh, that you've accumulated to, you know, kind of get your data from. Uh, how long were you actually harvesting this information before you turned it in into a story? Yeah, this data, um, we we collect data um, throughout our ecosystem. We partner with credit bureaus to understand uh, people's credit mm -hmm. profiles. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a lot of the data you'll see um, when you log into the app today, as well as we understand members throughout you know, their life cycle on Credit Karma. What are the things they're doing uh, on Credit Karma? What are the things they're doing uh, in, with financial institutions that then gets um, sort of reported to us through mm -hmm. the credit bureau data, uh, et cetera. So really it's for each member, it's really personalized um, it is, is sort of the long and the short of it in terms of how much data we have uh, just goes back to understanding the life cycle of the member seeing how they've evolved historically, how people have evolved who are similar to them historically, and, and putting all of that data together to provide these recommendations. That's great. Yeah, there's so many sources that it's coming from, which really helps the accuracy and, and the need for a lot of different types of data to make better predictions. Yes, absolutely. And then, um, yeah. Yeah, you've grown model predictions five times. Please share with us what you attribute this tremendous growth to. Uh, well, certainly first and foremost, our amazing technology team that's definitely helped us along the way. Uh, but to also touch a little bit on our earlier conversation about business, I think a lot of the reason why the recommendations as a business area at Credit Karma has grown and performed so well uh, is because of a lot of the business foresight that we have invested in. So specifically, you break down this 5X into a few different value drivers or product lines, so to speak. Our starting point several years ago was within offers, a few specific types of offers and a few specific types of recommendations. But over time, we've expanded to cover pretty much all the different offer types we have, four different product lines, including content, ecosystem, data, and all of which have wildly different business circumstances and implications for Credit Karma. And then looking to the future, we also aspire to personalize literally every pixel that our members experience with us in our ecosystem and eventually en enable autonomous finance, a little, little bit of what I talked about earlier in terms of automating away the complexities of personal finance through AI and data and help uh, members get to the optimal place uh, with their financial goals in a personalized way. So we know that as a recommendations team, we need to make this happen. We, we will be uh, a key enabler to making this um, future of the company happen. So if you look, if you zoom back, um, it was critical that we were looking a couple years ahead um, to know where the company was at. And so um, now you look at where we are today and it was because of investments we made a couple of years ago uh, or started making a couple of years ago, we were ready for the business to grow in the way that it did uh, in, in the variety of trajectories it did and able to sort of absorb all of this um, 
innovation and growth that we've been experiencing across all these different business areas. And then going forward, uh, it's a similar note in terms of just continuously leaning on my strategic skill set around that foresight on, on how our company is going to evolve and ultimately driving the strategy for our team from theirs is, is just really critical. So knowing what to build, when to build it, why we're building it, those are the things I'm focused on on a day-to-day and, and how I play a critical role on not only our team uh, being able to build for success, but also accelerating Credit Karma as a whole and always staying a bit uh, a few steps ahead uh, in that way. No, that's great. Wow. So thinking ahead, you know, looking two years in the future and planning with your technology and innovation and growth two years back to get to where you want to get to is amazing. The technology is amazing, obviously. Your strategic mind and your combination of business and technology really helps um, foster this type of growth. And then obviously you have a great, great team. Yes. No, that's that great. about sums it up for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that there is an increase in the number of women leaving the tech industry? As a woman-owned business, Directions Training has made it our mission and passion to change this statistic. That's why Jennifer created this podcast. We showcase insight from everyday women for everyday women in the tech industry. Do you know other people that would benefit from tuning in? Share the link and help us drive the advancement of women in the tech industry. Do you have a journey or know of someone that our listeners would benefit from hearing about? Reach out to us at directionstraining.com slash podcast. Don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and wherever you find your podcasts. Now, back to the show. So being a woman in tech, what challenges have you faced and how have you overcome some of them? Yeah. You know, I, when you think about being a woman in tech, I feel like more often than not, the first catchphrase that comes up usually is imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Uh, I talk about this with uh, my mentees. I have a a group of mentees that I mentor um, for the past couple of years now at Credit Karma. And uh, I think about it for myself. And one of the things I, I realize is that imposter syndrome is not not just something that's in your head or some sort of like, hey, lack of confidence or experience. A lot of times it's it's also an artifact of society in, in a lot of ways because you know society will sort of um, sort of dictate or, or or have these implicit biases and assumptions about where people provide value versus not. And and for women, a lot of times we are honestly um, you know, uh, under underestimated in terms of the value we can we can bring to the table versus men are often overestimated. And I I do feel like a lot of that sort of contributes to that imposter syndrome um, feedback loop and, and something that I know even with my mentees have, have expressed concerns about. So thinking about that context, one of the things that I've sort of the challenges I faced is around just that um, people understanding um, what I have to bring to the table and how do I sort of, you know, stay confident in my own skin and, and confident knowing that I have the skills I know I have mm-hmm. um, and, and focus more on creating value out of those skills and less about, you know, letting it get to me. So the way that I've kind of come overcome all of this is 
really thinking about what are some of my more unique strengths and how can I uniquely create value in organizations. I think this my journey to leading the recommendations team is actually a very interesting example of that. So when I moved into this leadership role I have today on the recommendations team, uh, was, my predecessor, who was my hiring manager, uh, she uh, moved on to a new role, but she uh, noticed uh, of many skills in me, but particularly my knack for collaboration and recognized that as an important key strength area for me to take on uh, this leadership challenge, as well as generally platform roles uh, like this. Uh, so my specifically approachability, ability to work well with others outside of my core business unit is actually uh, not only why the recommendations team is so successful in powering our entire product amongst all these different vertical teams, uh, it, it's also um, sort of critical that we do this. Um, so in tech in particular, you, you can sometimes see a lot of internal organizations almost working against each other or just focused on their own little silos. Uh, but when you think about the bigger picture, uh, Credit Karma, uh, we are a customer obsessed FinTech and our customers really are our 120 million members, not our exec teams that we're trying to you know, present to and get attention from. It's all of us are working together, including our execs to deliver value to our members. And so in order to really achieve that mentality, truly leaders really need to encourage a collaborative environment. And I realized that um, I was actually a, a bit of a unique person in that way in terms of my, my leadership style. So uh, instead of that, instead of falling prey to maybe some imposter syndrome of growing in my career, I decided, you know, this is an advantage to me and it's a unique advantage in this role. And I knew it was gonna be very critical to me and my team to be the glue that binds all of our teams at Credit Karma together to jointly deliver value for our members who are our collective customers at the end of the day um, and, and you know, the future success of our business. That's amazing. I think we can all learn from that. Um, really, really good insights there. So can you share any lessons learned or leadership skills that you've learned in your career? Obviously, you've come a long way and, and you've learned, you understood your strengths and then applied them internally and externally. But what, you know, does any lessons learned come to mind or a leadership skill that you said, wow, without this, I would be, I would not be where I am? Yeah, I have. I have a few related items that kind of work together in the way that I uh, drive impact through through my team and sort of capitalize on the notion of us being a platform and, and driving impact. So um, I'll I'll start with trust. So first, uh, it is imperative for uh, teams, especially high tech teams, to create an environment of trust because innovation flourishes in these types of environments where ideas are received well and they're received without judgment. So people can go experiment, uh, come up with new out of the box ideas, uh, really feel comfortable airing out their ideas and opinions. And in order to create this environment of trust, I think one of the ways to do that is really by leading with transparency. 
sort of setting, setting the right sort of example um, from a leadership perspective to create a healthy environment about being highly transparent about what goals are, what matters, um, how things are going, both wins and losses, so that people understand that it's all about being transparent and not necessarily always being right. So it's, uh, a, it's really important that leaders bring people along for the journey as we all learn together and innovate together. And there will be moments when things go wrong or say as a leader even, you make a wrong decision. And it's more important to surround yourself with people who are very comfortable with telling you, hey, maybe you should consider a different approach. Hey, there are some risks here that you might not be aware of. And, and other things like this, where they can really push you and up-level your thinking. Um, and I, I find that to be really important in terms of the people uh, I hire, I, I, leaders I keep close to me. And, uh, and with that, I think it's really important uh, for us to um, not only have people push on when things are wrong at the forefront, but also think through where things um, did go wrong and what, what can we learn from them, right? Every, every misstep, every challenge that we come across, every stumbling block is an opportunity to learn. And it, and it shouldn't be an opportunity to blame. It is an opportunity to learn. So creating an environment where expectation is stuff will happen. Um, we're scaling, we're growing, we're moving at breakneck speeds, but that shouldn't stifle innovation. That should be opportunities to learn, become stronger and scale ourselves. And so if you bring all of these things together, it's really about focusing on impact, making sure that we are uh, really focused on creating value, which is why we all come to work every day. It's really easy to get caught up in shipping and, and you know, uh, having it, this internal view of the world to ensure people are doing their jobs and, and creating the widgets, um, so to speak. But what is much more satisfying motivating, uh, productive really, is, is the focus on impact that our products are creating by, by shipping them, not, not just shipping products in isolation. And so um, you have these right incentives. You've also reinforced a lot of these other themes around innovation, transparency, and really capitalizing on um, you know, the silver linings of, uh, of our past mistakes to learn and keep growing. I love, love, love the uh, leadership skills that you mentioned, you know, from trust to leading with transparency. You don't always have to be right. Surrounding yourself with people who help you grow, you know, are not just all the same because diversity in your teams is so important to be able to grow and learn. And then, mm -hmm. you know, learning is part of missteps, like you said, if you didn't have missteps, you wouldn't learn, you wouldn't grow, you wouldn't have experience. So um, I love what you said about, you know, not looking to blame, but learning as part of the opportunity, because that's huge. I mean, it's, it's really, really important that people understand that everybody makes mistakes. I mean, we're all human, and we should learn from our mistakes, because those are opportunities to grow. Absolutely. Uh, great. That's a really, really huge. Great, great, great points. Thank you so much for that. 
All right. So in closing, what comments or advice do you have for our listeners or maybe women that are looking to come into tech? Yeah, I I think it's interesting uh, for women who are starting in, in their careers, um, especially as leaders. So uh, a little bit of advice for women in tech, those who are maybe trying to work their way up the ladder. Mm-hmm. I think leadership is actually a skill you you learn along the way. And the skills you need as an individual contributor are not always the same. Actually, most of the time they're quite different as, as mm-hmm. those that you would need in a manager role or management role or leadership role. And if they don't come to you naturally at first, don't be discouraged. It's something that most everyone is always working on. Um, and as long as you have that growth mindset that probably got you to where you are today, um, you continue to maintain that um, as you move into leadership roles. Uh, just remember, acknowledge, accept, you know, that everyone has these growth areas and commit to growing in those areas. And to add to this, for, for me personally, I, I have a peer set of other leaders who work in completely different industries and functions uh, that I lean on uh, to get perspective from and they lean on me. And so uh, what I find often is uh, learning or seeking out advice for people, quote unquote, inside the building that, that actually work with you. Sometimes you can be prey to groupthink, and sometimes um, it's just difficult to talk about tricky scenarios uh, in various leadership capacities as well, especially if they're confidential. So I've actually found that third party perspectives um, that are sort of outside uh, of, of my current domain are, are really important because it validates approaches and challenges from an, exe- uh, an objective perspective. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to approaching growth uh, in your career as a leader, uh, there's often a lot more commonality amongst these different roles and functions. And you might actually be quite surprised that you find you could actually find highly valuable support from uh-huh. soundboarding from different people that are simply in different functions, but happen to have a similar uh, place in life and or in their careers in terms of leadership. And those variety of perspectives could actually help get to more objective places uh, in terms of developing a POV as, as, as you continue to work in these human charge scenarios as as being a leader often is. Yeah, that's great, great advice. And obviously, you know, something you've learned over time. And I love that, you know, skills change and they continue to grow over time, whether you're an individual contributor or moving into a leadership role. Um, But I always say, you know, be kind to yourself and don't give up. You just need to keep working at it. Continuous learning, uh, growth mindset, like you said, is so important and then have a group that you can lean on which was really critical because you can't do it by yourself so great great advice for our listeners and women maybe looking to get into the tech world supriya this was such an honor to have you on the show i am so excited that we got a chance to talk um hope to have you on a future show someday yeah thank you so much for having me So, Supriya, if our listeners wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do so? Yeah, please feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Great. Thank you. Again, it was a pleasure and an honor. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. 
please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week. From IT skill enhancements to end-user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end-users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.